So, <clears throat> longest line you've ever waited in, time-wise. Let me hear some answers. What's the longest line you've ever waited in? An airport line? How long were you in the line? Uh, an hour and 30 minutes. Hour and 30. Anybody beat an hour 30? Yeah. <laughs> a Weston show four hours for tickets. All right. So it was worth the wait, you're saying? Yes. All right, all right. Anybody beat four hours? About six hours when I was in Italy in Turin to see the shroud. The shroud, sure. It was well worth it. All right, six hours to see the shroud. Anybody beat a six hour line? Rand. Uh, back when MySpace was a thing, they used to have secret shows. For bands, and I went to see the Decemberists with a crowd of like 50 people, and I waited in line from 10 a.m. until 8 p.m. <laughs> that's that's a 10 hour line, yeah. <laughs> Anybody top 10 hours? You may get the prize, Rand. Nobody camped out in front of Walmart for Black Friday sales or anything like that before. All right. <clears throat> well, yeah. So. Uh, the message today is going to be a bit um, countercultural because we we all spend time waiting in lines. Uh, you know, my my dad <clears throat> was in the Navy and he patently refuses to wait in any more lines. He said, "I did nothing but wait in line for four years in the Navy, and I will never wait in another line again." So he and he, he means it. He'll go sit down somewhere and let you wait in line for him, and then. <laughs> So, but we do spend a lot of time waiting in line, whether it's the TSA line at the airport. I've been in some long TSA lines. Uh, we wait in line at the grocery store and all these things, but we don't like it, right? Because our whole culture, our whole ethos is, well, we shouldn't have to wait. We shouldn't have to wait at all. So you can pay a couple hundred extra dollars and go through this little background check and you don't have to wait in that TSA line anymore, right? You can just, whoop, I've got the green card. I'm going to go right on through. Or you can, uh, now we've got the express checkouts at the grocery store because, you know, heaven forbid, you should actually have to wait in line at the grocery store. And you go to, uh, you know, Lowe's and Home Depot and you can go check yourself out now. You don't even have to wait for anybody to check you out. You can just, you know, no waiting at all. I'm going to go zip, 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 swipe my card and out I go. And <clears throat> everything that we've got is about, we shouldn't have to wait for it. I can even click buy it now and, and I don't even have to take the two extra minutes that, it would have, that I'd have to enter all my credit card information that I would never get back in my life if I had to do that. So I can just click buy it now and I'm done. And two days later, it shows up at my doorstep instead of having to wait, oh, I don't know, five days, heavens. So it, I can have it now. And now, of course, Amazon's working on having it at your house in a couple of hours, right? That's the new thing right, right here in this area. So uh, we shouldn't have to wait for anything, right? You shouldn't have to wait to buy that nice car. You shouldn't have to wait to have that big house. You shouldn't have to wait. You deserve this now. And we come up with all kinds of creative ways to make sure you can get those things now. I mean, you, your college students, you, how many credit card solicitations do you give as a college student? Isn't that crazy? Nobody has any money, <laughs> but you get all kinds of credit. You can sign up for all kinds of credit cards. Oh, you bet. Yeah, oh, I can, now I can go buy stuff now, and I don't have to wait for it. And we come up with all sorts of creative ways to do that. Uh, you know, years ago, way back, you actually had to pay cash for a car when you bought it. You couldn't finance them. Isn't that crazy? 
Can you imagine having to pay cash for something? You know how long it would take to save up to buy a car? We need a car now. We shouldn't have to pay cash. I'll pay you later for it. I want to take it home now. We come up with all kinds of great ways to do this. But what I've noticed in Scripture lately, and so this is kind of, you can kind of see where this is all going maybe, but um, that's really not the way God operates most of the time. Uh, in fact, what I've seen in Scripture, and we're going to go through some of this today, is that I, I think, this is my opinion, and so we'll go through it, and you can tell me if you agree with me at the end, or you can tell me I'm out to lunch, whatever. I actually think waiting is crucial to our spiritual formation. Can I say that? Sorry. I realize that that you know, is you know, going against the grain for most of us in here. Waiting is crucial for our spiritual formation. So we'll kind of walk through that. So a bit of a disclaimer before I start. If you know, I, I usually have a disclaimer. The disclaimer this morning is, I'm going the, from an application standpoint, I'm going to be discussing more of us as a group as opposed to you as an individual. Uh, part of the reason is my own personal conviction. I think we hyper-individualize our faith in our culture specifically. Uh, in Scripture, uh, you cannot escape community in application, in analogy, in how this is supposed to work. You cannot escape community in Scripture. And we have hyper-individualized it to where this is just all about you. And I'm sorry, but it's not. <laughs> so this is not all about you. This is more about him and about us reflecting him. So I'm going to apply it more. If you get some personal takeaway, great. Feel free to do that. You know, that's not bad. That's not inappropriate. But from my perspective, I'm going to treat it as an us rather than a you. Okay. There's your disclaimer. All right. So waiting, it is counter to our, our culture. I mean, we even have microwaves, right? We shouldn't have to wait for our supper. We should, you know, 30 seconds is all we should have to wait to eat. Uh, But waiting, when you see in scripture, There is a very, very clear pattern of having to wait on God. So, I mean, think, you know, uh, Noah had to wait for the rain, right? And he had to wait so long that people were mocking him and ridiculing him. Oh, sure, it's going to (laughs) rain. You bet. Not a cloud in the sky. Hadn't been for months. And so he had to wait for the rain. Uh, Abraham had to wait for Isaac. Right, he was given the promise. Hey, your descendants are going to be like stars scattered on the, you know, across the sky. He was an old, old man before Isaac had to show up. Uh, <clears throat> Jacob had to wait for Rachel. Right, he didn't just get oh, there's my wife. Let's go get married. He had to wait a long time. Go back and read that story. Um, and so we, Moses had to wait to lead Israel out of captivity from the, from Egypt. Right, he didn't get. To, he knew it. Right? He went after the taskmaster, and God said, no, not now. You're going to have to wait another 40 years. Uh, And then the Israelites had to wait 400 years in Egypt for the promise that God had given Moses that this is, or Abraham, I'm sorry, that this is your land right here. This is your land. And then everybody's in Egypt for 400 years before they get to go back and see the fulfillment of that promise. David had to wait to take the throne that he knew was his, right? As about a 15-year-old boy, Samuel anointed him and said, you are king. But it was a long time before he got to become king. 
and he had to wait. And he had to run and hide because Saul was out to kill him. He had to wait this whole time. He didn't just suddenly walk in and say, okay, I'm king, here I am. He had to wait for it. Uh, the exiles waited 70 years in Babylon before they got to go back, right? And they knew they were going to be there for 70 years. We're going to come back to that one. Jesus waited to be worshipped, right? Think about the story of Jesus and people would want to worship him. You know, sometimes he, you know, he would, you know, people would get healed and they, oh my gosh, and they'd fall down and worship him. He's like, Ooh, hey, shh, not, nope, not now, not now. It wasn't until the day that he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey that he accepted that worship from people as king. So even he waited to be worshipped. And then the disciples waited for the Holy Spirit, right? Couldn't Jesus have just said, okay, I'm leaving, and right now, there you go. There's the Spirit. I'm out. (laughs) He told them, you're going to wait until the Holy Spirit shows up, and then you will be my witnesses. But you're going to have to wait. I think Jesus could have made it so that didn't have to happen, right? He's he's God, (laughs) Waiting was part of it. And then we're waiting for his return, right? He said, I'm going to come back. He could have established his kingdom whenever he wanted to. He could show up right now. Please. <laughs> but we are in this, this protracted period right now of waiting on the Lord. And I don't think it's because there's some... Uh, you know, cruel, mischievous aspect to God's personality. I think it's because it's crucial to our spiritual formation uh, that we learn to wait and that we wait for the Lord, right? Then we all know the verse out of Isaiah 40, right? Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You know, we, we like to say that. We like to feel that, especially when we're like, okay, God, you know, this is getting a little tough. I really need, you know, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll rise up like on, on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary. You know, that sounds great. So what are we waiting for, right? We talked about one already, right? We're waiting for Christ to come back. We're waiting for him to show back up and establish his rule and his reign here on earth. But we're, we're waiting for some other things, right? I mean, we're, we're waiting for a permanent space to call our own, right? That we can say, this is, this is our little stake right here in our community. Uh, we're waiting to see our community uh, transformed by the power of the kingdom, right? We're waiting for that. We're praying for that. We're waiting for that. We want that to happen. We're waiting for several things. So, but it does kind of beg the question, right, of, well, how do we wait? How do we wait? So there's a, there's a passage in... Uh, Psalm 40. It's really easy to remember. Isaiah 40, those who wait on the Lord will rise up on wings like you. Okay, Psalm 40. You go back to Psalm 40, and it starts out, and you may be very familiar, this is not an uncommon psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me, and He heard my cry, right? And He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and He set my feet on a solid rock. It was like, okay, I waited patiently. So when you think of waiting patiently, what images come to mind? 
Like sitting at the doctor's office, you know, right? You know, reading a three-year-old magazine, going, oh, that's fascinating. Uh, you know, at the DPS office, waiting for your number to magically come up, and oh, it's like you won the lottery. You know, waiting in line to see Santa Claus, right? We wait for, you know, waiting. I waited patiently for the Lord. But there's a problem with, with this verse caught my attention a few years ago. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. Well, wait a minute. If I've asked my kids to wait patiently, and they're crying out about something, well, that's kind of the very definition of not being patient. <laughs> Like, like, I told you to wait patiently. I mean, if they're going to cry, I said, I, I told you, wait patiently. Well, what's going on here? So I scratched my head and I dusted off some old books and started digging around. So really, really fascinating about this verse. I think it's going to give us some really keen insights on how we wait on the Lord. So when you dig back into the Hebrew language, that word for waited, in Hebrew, it means to stretch or, or twist. That's interesting, right? In fact, there, in some uh, languages that are similar to Hebrew, that same word can even mean rope. Have you ever seen like a braided rope made, you know, some, you know, living history demonstration where they take fibers and they make a fibrous rope? It's this stretching and twisting process that makes that rope. And it's incredibly, there's a whole bunch of tension on that when they're doing that. And so this word that we get weighted from, and it's used over and over and over in the Old Testament, weighted, can actually mean rope because of the stretching and twisting process to make that rope. That starts to look a little different, doesn't it? All of a sudden, I'm not sitting still reading a three-year-old magazine, am I? So I'm, I'm stretching patiently for the Lord. But I'm still crying out. Okay, so, so that word patiently, this is where it gets really fun. I know this seems a little bit obscure, but hang with me because this is fun. I promise. So I stretched patiently. Well, the word patiently in Hebrew, it's the exact same word as waited. No different. So you can literally translate that passage as I stretched twistingly for the Lord. Yeah, now we got a different picture, don't we? That doesn't sound like waiting in line to see Santa Claus. This is an active waiting, isn't it? And that, that, now I can cry out, can't I? If I'm stretching twistingly for the Lord, I get to cry out. You know, I'm not just sitting around like a good little boy waiting for you know, my magic number to come up with God and he's finally going to, okay, it's your turn now. And oh, goody, it's my turn. No, 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 no. I get to stretch and reach and twist and cry out to the Lord while I'm waiting. I'm still waiting. So I stretched twistingly for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. Now this makes a whole lot more sense. It's this, this active waiting. 
So that's kind of the first thing, is this, that the waiting for the Lord is not sitting around on our hands, just kind of hoping that someday our number comes up with God. No, it is an active, active waiting. And we see this in Scripture. In my, there's, there's several places you can go to this, but my favorite one is in Jeremiah chapter 29. Again, a very, very familiar verse. If you've been in church any time at all, you've probably heard this passage in one context or another. But we're going to look at the con- this verse in the context of waiting. So, back to, background, the Israelites are now in exile in Babylon. Remember I told you we are going to come back to that. So they're in exile, right? They've been kicked out of the pool. Okay, everybody's got to leave. And God told them from the beginning, this is going to be for a defined period of time. This is 70 years. That's how long. All right? So if you've got a little baby you're holding... Maybe when that baby is old, they get to go back. You don't, but maybe they do. 70 years, defined period of time. Well, you've got a choice, right? If you're Israel and you're in Babylon, like the, the epitome of, the, of a godless heathen nation at the time, well, you can do a couple of things, right? You could complain Sit around on your hands and go, okay, well, 70 years. We'll just, we're just going to sit here and wait. We're just going to wait for 70 years. It's going to be right here, 70 years. We're just going to wait. But God actually gave them some real specific directions as to how they should be waiting when they were in Babylon. Now, remember, Babylon to an Israelite, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what the analogy would be for us, but it is, think, godless, heathen, devil-worshipping, they conquered us. I mean, this is, this is not some place they want to be, and, and nobody in, in their community would have elected to go there on their own. But here they are in Babylon. In Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4, God gives them some very specific directions on how they're supposed to wait for their return. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Implant gardens, eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will have welfare. Don't just sit around waiting to go back. Be a blessing where you are right now. Yeah, I know it's Babylon. Yeah, it's okay. Build houses, plant gardens, marry, have kids, pray for the welfare of the city where I have sent you. It should be better because you're there, is another way to say this. While you're waiting to go home, while you're waiting for the Lord to answer that promise in your life, while you're waiting for the Lord to bless us with a permanent home, 
while we're waiting for the Lord to do whatever, be a blessing where you are right now. Don't sit around on your, on your hands, pining away for the day we all get to go back home or the promise is fulfilled. That's not godly waiting. <laughs> be a blessing. It should be better because you're there. Even if it's Babylon, it should be better because you're there, because you are my people. And you represent me Wherever you go, under whatever circumstances you might find yourself in, you still represent me. And it should be better because you're there, because I'm there with you, and I make things better wherever I go. So while you're waiting, be a blessing where you are. I'll be real honest. I have not done a very good job of that at all in my own life in uh, the last few years. So personally, this is going to get a little bit personal for me. So just if you want to check out, fine. But uh, so God has definitely given me some very specific promises in regard to ministry and in kind of a trajectory for my life. No question about it. But for whatever reason... Now is not the time, and I don't understand it. I wish I did. Uh, And it's been a very painful lesson to learn that now is not the time, but we've learned it. Okay, now is not the time. But in the meantime, what I have done is I have oriented my life around being able to check out really quick of whatever obligations that I have so that when the Lord calls us into full-time vocational ministry, we can just go right now. And so I've put a whole lot of things on hold. And I have uh, insulated myself from other things so that when the time comes, we can just drop everything and run and go. And let me tell you, in going through this, so you're getting pages from my journal pretty much in in the sermon today. But it was very convicting to me when I read this passage in Jeremiah in the context of how we are to wait on the Lord for his promises. Be a blessing now. Do what's in front of you now and commit to it. Commit to it fully, right? I mean, that's what it's saying. Plant gardens. Have families. Be like, act like you're there for the long haul. Make it better because you're there. When it's time to leave, I'll take care of the details. Don't worry about it. Be a blessing now. Do what's in front of you now to be a blessing to those around you. So that was pretty convicting for me. So how do we, as a community, while we're waiting for the Lord to come back, while we're waiting for the Lord to provide us with a permanent home, while we're waiting for the Lord to provide us with the finances to to pay Scott full-time, while we're waiting for the Lord to provide us with uh, you know, the, the facilities that we need to make the kids' program even more phenomenal than it is, to, while we're waiting for all these things, what do we do? Do we just sit around and go, okay, God, there's nothing we can do until you show up and do this. So I'm just going to sit here until you show up because we can't do anything. You know, we're tapped out. I don't think that's the right response for us. I think our response should be, okay, well, Lord, what can I do while we're waiting for you to show up? 
And what can we do to seek the welfare of where we live? Showing up for the MLK Day Parade, I think that's a great step. How we seek the welfare. You know, God is a God of peace, right? He's a God of bringing things back together, making things whole. Well, that's what that's all about. So, okay, so we'll show up. Well, I don't know if it's going to make any difference or not, but it looks like God maybe would want to be a part of this, so we'll show up. I don't know. So how do we seek the welfare of where we live? How do we seek the welfare of where we work? That might get a little convicting, right? Especially if you don't like your job (laughs) and you're frustrated. How do we seek the welfare of where we work? It should be better because you are there. It should be better because you're there. How do we seek the welfare of where we play? You know, if our your kids are involved in, in activities or whatever, how do we seek the welfare of that? It should be better because we're there, because we're God's people, and God makes things better. Even, you know, five-year-old soccer. <laughs> Mob ball, right? Everybody just kind of follows the ball. It should be better because we're there, because we're God's people, and He's with us. How do we seek the welfare of where we worship? How do we make it better with what we've got right now? How do we make this better right now, right here? I I don't have the answers to these questions, by the way, for everybody's... (laughs) But this is what we should be asking ourselves. Is New Braunfels better because we're here? Is this space better because we're here? Is our workplace better because we're there? Not because, not because you're so great at what you do and all that kind of stuff. Okay, I'm sure you are. But because the God that sets things right is in you. And wants to work through you to set more things right. We get to play, right? I mean, that's one of the foundation principles of the whole vineyard movement. We get to play. We get to be a part of what God's doing to set things right. That's everywhere. Because God cares about all of this stuff. So while we wait for Him to fulfill the promises, while we wait for Him to come back, and by the way, He will, okay, That's one of the main themes of Scripture. God always follows through on what He says He's going to do, even if it seems like it's been forever and a day. He will. He will come back. And so while we wait, how do we wait? I realize it's a bit of an anti-consumerism message. may even make it un-American in some people's eyes. But I think... How we wait is crucial. I think God takes it very seriously. And I think if we will accept that and recognize that there will be times of waiting for whatever promise God has given you, if it's a promise about health, if it's a promise about ministry, if it's a promise about a family member, if it's a promise, I don't know what promises God's communicated to you. 
But while you're waiting for God to do his part, and he will, he will. How do we be a blessing in the meantime? Lord, thank you that you've blessed each one of us so richly and so deeply. And you've blessed us with the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing. You have chosen to work through us to bless other people and to set things right. So help us to, uh, to, to wait patiently or to stretch twistingly for you. That we would not wait on our sitting around on our hands, but we would wait actively, doing what we can do right now, knowing that someday you'll do the rest of what you've promised. But in the meantime, we're going to be a blessing where we are. Because that's what you do. Thank you for that privilege. Lord, help us to make places better as we go about our week this week. Help us to show people how much you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. So go be a blessing. Or might say, bloom where you're planted. You've heard that? Anyway, all right.